Good evening, everybody. How's it going today? Y'all sound tired. Is that right? Yeah? All right. Hey, um, so as tired as you may be, however that goes, I'm not really sure, but um, we had a great week this week at Lakeside Church. Did you know that? Well, we are all Lakeside Church, so hopefully you're part of that whole thing. But we, uh, we launched Financial Peace University this week. We had over 80 people there trying to get peace in their finances. That's a good thing, right? We, uh, half of you are clapping, the other half are like, oh, I missed that one. Oh, how'd that happen? Uh, let's see, what else happened? Oh, we started Alpha this week. We've been telling you about Alpha. We started Alpha on Thursday night. We had about 100 people there. A lot of people bring in their friends say, hey, we want, just want to talk about Jesus. We want to create an environment for you where we can talk about Jesus comfortably and without, without a lot of threat and, you know, worry about it. And uh, so that was fantastic. Uh, we got our Grow Group Expo like John talked about today. That's coming up uh, after this gathering. So a lot of good stuff. So um, we also had an inauguration this weekend, or like yesterday, right? And uh, yeah, so some of you are all jacked up and some of you are... <laughs> And some of you are like, not. So, you know, here's the deal. I told you this. I told you this back in October before the election, right? Whoever is uh, elected in that election, if you're an American, they are our president. And we are called to respect whoever's in that office, whoever is in that office. And we don't always do well when it's not our person, you know. And so I just want to pray for our president today. We have, com- we have commands in Scripture to pray for those who are our authorities and to pray specifically for a peaceful, quiet life that we can live in godliness and righteousness. That's what God asks us to do. So we're going to spend some time praying for our leaders and uh, for what's going on around here, and then we're going to look into Scripture. All right? Good. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thanks so much for your uh, favor on us. Uh, you call it grace, and I cannot imagine, Lord, where my life would be apart from your grace. I really cannot imagine. I'm so grateful to you for all the goodness that you pour out in my life, that you pour out in the lives of my family and my friends, in our church. Uh, Lord, thank you for all of those things. Uh, Lord, thank you for the good things that have happened in our church family this week. Just the things I talked about already, other stuff that's going on in our families, in our homes, in our Oikos networks, those groups of people that you've placed into our lives, you've got good stuff going on among them. So thank you for all of those things. We praise you for those. Lord, some of us are walking through some hard things this week, and uh, I, don't, I won't list all the things that I know about, Lord, but I just know that there are sometimes there are things that we walk through that are hard, and sometimes we want to know where are you in the midst of those things, and I know that in the middle of them, you are right there with us. So thank you for that. And Lord, I want to pray for our nation today. Uh, we have a new president, Mr. Trump, and I want to pray that you would do everything you desire to do in his life. I pray that you would steer his heart to you in miraculous ways. I pray that he would listen to you. Uh, I pray that there would be people around him who would help him to know how to listen to you. And Lord, I pray that uh, as he leads our nation, we would offer him the respect that you call for uh, from your people. Uh, and I pray, Lord, specifically that you would uh, develop in our nation a capacity for us. When, when we have different races cr- clashing with one another and people of different ideological backgrounds clashing with one another and things, in the midst of all that, would you create for us a place where we could live 
peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and righteousness. And Lord, I think that ultimately only comes from you. So I pray that you would work that out for us. And our commitment, Lord, before you is to, is to lift up holy hands before you, to offer these prayers before you, because you call us to this and you also promise to hear us. So thank you for that. Lord, pray, we pray not only for our president, but for our Congress leaders in the Senate and, and the House and for our local leaders in our state and in our county and in our city. Lord, we have a brand new mayor again this month. And so I just pray that you, for all those people that really make sacrifices uh, to sit in these offices, to hold these positions, and even though there's great power that comes with sacrifice, and so I pray for them that you'll bless them and lead them, and may they hear well from you. And Lord, today I pray that we would also hear well from you. You've given us your book, you've given us your story, and you've invited us into it. So we open up our ears to you today and our hearts to you, and we ask you to fill us up. In the name of Jesus, our good Savior, amen. So the highest priority for us here at Lakeside Church is to follow Jesus. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you go, yeah, that's, that's exactly what it is. And there's a lot of things that go with that, but that's the thing. Like, we want to follow Jesus with everything we have. That's our calling. And so we're talking these days about a well-crafted life, which is our way of saying we're following Jesus. We think the best-crafted life, the most well-crafted life, is the life of someone who's decided to follow Jesus. And so that's what we're about here at Lakeside Church. And, and we focus on five crafts. Uh, that help us walk that, live out that well-crafted life. One of the crafts we're talking about a lot these days is the craft of connection. We believe it matters that we are connected to one another as followers of Christ. We believe that it matters that we build connections with people that are around us in this thing we call oikos, this little network that God has put us in the middle of that we didn't necessarily create ourselves. God created it for us most of the time. Uh, sometimes he lets us engage and, you know, move and do different things that, that changes the shape of that. But he puts us into this group and he goes, I want you to connect with those people and I want you to love them. I want you to care for them. I want you to serve them in the name of Christ. And so we're after that. That's a priority for us because that's all about following Jesus. And we believe connections are the light of life. We've been talking about that for the last three weeks now. Connections are the light of life. And the light only shines when the connections are whole. So how do you build a life with these connections where the connection is whole? How do you build those connections and how do you keep those connections whole? How do you keep those connections that you build with somebody else, how do you keep those from breaking? How do you make them whole? So I want to walk through some scripture with you today and I want to tell you a little story that comes from John chapter 13. So if you have your Bible and you want to look this up, uh, John 13 is a story about Jesus and uh, he's given his inaugural address, actually, is what he's doing. He's telling his disciples the last thing he needs them to know before he launches this kingdom into the world through them. Brand new kingdom, he says. And, I, and, he, and he goes, I want, you to, I want you to live a certain way. I want you to act a certain way in this kingdom. And so he lays it out for them in John chapter 13. Now, Jesus is in a room, when he's telling this, he's in a room with his disciples. The heat is 
up in Jerusalem. So Jesus has been traveling around talking and healing and making a disturbance around the countryside for the last three years. And the religious leaders are sort of getting tired of that stuff because it's bugging them. It's sort of disrupting their equilibrium. So they're not very happy with Jesus as they're going along. And so the heat's getting hot and the disciples are afraid. They're like, Oh, we're hanging out with Jesus, but we're not sure he's going to be around very long. If he keeps offending the religious leaders like he is, they're going to take him out. And the disciples feared that the end of Jesus' time on earth was coming, whereas Jesus knew that the end of his time on earth was coming. In fact, Jesus knew what the disciples didn't, and that was that the next day was going to be his last day on earth. And so he knows all that. He knows what's going on. He knows that something's going on with Judas one of his disciples, he knows that Judas is in trouble. He knows that Judas has been stealing from the money box. He knows that Judas has made a deal with the, with the enemy to hand Jesus over to the authorities. He knows all that stuff. And yet he gives this inaugural address to his disciples to say, this is what the kingdom is going to be like, and this is how you're going to live in this kingdom. So the story is found in John chapter 13, verse 34. By the way, if you don't have a Bible, we've got some on the chair. You can, on the chairs, you can use one of those. You can use the uh, Version Bible app on your smartphone if you want to do that. And we've got all the scriptures pulled up and listed for you. So you can uh, use the app if you like. Or you can just listen if you like. Or use your own Bible if you like. And if there's another option, I don't know what it is. But you can figure that out. Okay? Here's John 13, uh, verse 34 says this, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. All right, that's pretty simple. Yes? Go do it. Amen. I mean, this is not that complicated, right? He just goes, hey, I, have a, I got a little command for you. Love one another. But we struggle with, like, doing the easy stuff because, you know, we make it overcomplicated and things. So let's just talk through what this looks like and let's find some practical ways to figure this out. Because when we love one another, we build connections and connections are the light of life. He goes, I give you a new command. So let's just talk about what this looks like. He says, number one, it's a command. You ever notice how, how easy it is for us to take Jesus commands and make them sort of suggestions sort of like sort of like guidelines you know you ever notice how we do that yeah, and we do it all the way through the bible right there's these things called commands there's this stuff in the old testament called the law and we take that and we go you know it's really more like the 10 suggestions well, that's not what moses called them called them commandments. And Jesus comes along and he goes, hey, I, I have a command for you. It's a new command, but it's a command. It's not a suggestion. It's not like, hey, you know, if, if, if your neighbor is sort of lovely, then love them. You know, if your neighbor is sort of lovable, then you should love them. That's not what he says. He goes, here it is. Here's the command. Love one another. Love one another in your row. Oh, so you, you, you sat on the opposite side because you don't love these people. Okay, so love one another in the section across from you. <laughs> love one another. That's, that's a command. That's how he lays it out. Now, he says it's, it's a new command, which is a little bit weird because, I mean, I mean didn't, didn't the Old Testament say we should love one another? We, didn't it say we should love our neighbor and things like that? So it's like, it's, Jesus, in what sense is this a new command? And, and this whole love thing, what, you know, 
what's that about? But what he's saying is love is the thing that makes and keeps connections whole. You know that in your family. It's not hard to figure out. When you love the people in your family well, you keep the connections whole. When you have a neighbor and you love your neighbor well, you keep the connections whole. And you know when you don't love them, when you go the other direction with that, you know you're not keeping the connections whole. He goes, I want you to, I want you to love one another. And we're all into that. I mean, if we had a vote, don't you think everybody in the room at least would vote in favor of love? Let's do it. Let's vote. How many of you are in favor of love? Keep, oh, keep them up because I didn't see. I'd say about 97%. It's pretty good. That's, that's, like, that's pretty good, right? We'd all vote for love. we go, love's the right thing. That's a good thing to do. It keeps our connections strong. Perfect. Except that we get confused about it. We're not that great at understanding love. I mean, our world doesn't help us all that much because they talk about being in love all the time and loving on people. And What does this love thing do? What does it look like and what does it do? And then... And then Jesus says, well, I want to add to that. I want, I want you to know that this commandment is new. It's, it's not an old command. It's a new command. And you go, well, no. I, I remember in the Old Testament, I remember it. It talked about love your, love your neighbor. That's an old command. Well, it's not really the command that's new. It's the standard that's new. See, what was the standard in the Old Testament? Eye for an eye. Well, that's not really loving one another. <laughs> You poke my eye out. That's really, yeah, that's, uh, no, there's another standard besides that. Yeah, well, sorry, that, that's really not the standard from the Old Testament. How about this? Anybody, anybody have memorized Leviticus 19, verse 18? No, you don't know that one? You should memorize this one. It's a good one. It goes, it goes like this. Here, I'll read it for you. It goes, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people. That's a command. All right, so that's a command. So, but then he goes on, and then he go, and you know this part. He says, but love your neighbor as yourself. You knew that part, didn't you? Love your neighbor how? As yourself. We're, we're good at loving ourselves. We're good at it. And I know I talk to some people sometimes, and they deal with, you know, self-esteem issues and depression issues and things like that. And I go, I, don't, I just, I hate myself. Well, okay, <laughs> maybe. But you feed yourself, you comb your hair, you wash it, you wash it and comb it. I don't know which order it, go- I don't know which order it goes in. So. <laughs> but you know, you, 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 we're, most of us are pretty good at loving ourselves, and that was the old standard. Love your neighbor as yourself, and you do good stuff for yourself all the time. The old law said, the old command said, do that for your neighbor. It's not that complicated, except Jesus raises the bar through the roof. He goes, here's the new command. I want you to love one another as I have loved you. That is a whole different level. And that's command that he gives to us. It's not an option. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. He goes, I want you to love one another as I have loved you. That's a whole new stadium to play the game in. How did Jesus do that? How did he love us? 
Do you have a picture in your head of how Jesus loved us? If you get a picture in your head about how Jesus loved us, you probably think of the cross. You probably think Jesus loved us so much that he died on a cross for us, and you'd be exactly right. He did that. But is there any other example of how he loved us? In fact, there are. If you go back to John chapter 13 where I read that first place where it talks about this new commandment. If you go back to the beginning of that chapter, there's a really interesting story. Uh, as the disciples first get into this Passover meal, this, this room where they're going to have Jesus' last talk to them. Uh, John chapter 13, verse 1 goes like this. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now, the evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. That's a crazy story. Jesus knew that the hour for him to leave this world and go to the Father had come. He knew it. It's like this is the last this is the last hour. This is the last minute. This is the end of the journey for me here. He knew that. And he knew, it says, he knew that Judas Iscariot had already been prompted and he's making plans to betray Jesus. He knew that. Now, if you knew that one of your best buddies was going to betray you and hand you over and get you arrested and get you killed, would you hang out? You'd head for the heels. You'd head for the heels. (laughs) You would. You know, you'd take off. Sorry. I would. I'm like, I'm out of here. He knew that. And then this, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he, was, he had come from God and he was returning to God. He knew that. It's like God gave him all this power. If I knew I had all this power, what would I do? Well, maybe I wouldn't run. Maybe I'd muscle up. Maybe I'd take old Judas out. And I don't mean outside. He knew that God had given him all power. So what did he do? He got up from the meal. Now, maybe he had to go check on the kitchen staff and see how they were doing. Maybe he had to run an errand. But he got up from the meal with all this power. And he took off his robe and he wrapped a towel around his waist. which was the attire of a servant during the meal. And he filled up a bucket of water. And he went around to every one of his disciples, and he, and he knelt down, and he began to wash the feet of each disciple around the table. When he knew that he had all power, he ended up washing his disciples' feet. Having loved them, he loved them to the end. 
which means he loved them till the last minute, but it also means he loved them completely. He loved them to the end. He loved them to the nth degree. He loved them all the way. That's how it describes Jesus' love for us. He goes, I want you to love one another as I have loved you. That's a command. All right, so now we have towels at the door. Oh, wait, okay, we, don't, we, don't wash, we don't wash each other's feet anymore. They did that because they had dusty roads and they wore sandals and they went barefoot and they got into a room. Their feet were pretty crusty, dusty, nasty. And so they'd watch, somebody, a servant, would come in and wash their feet. That's how it worked. We don't do that anymore. So I don't have towels for you. But that's a problem because now we've got to figure out how do we do in our culture what Jesus did in his culture and love people to the end. There's another passage that describes this in 1 John chapter 4, uh, verse 10. So again, if you have your copy of the scripture, you can look this up. Not John chapter 4, so not the same gospel that we're in. Way back to the end of the New Testament, there's a, a little letter from the Apostle John. It's called 1 John, and in chapter 4, John writes this. This is so helpful. This is love, he says. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us. And sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. There's an actual description or maybe a definition of what love is. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Let's just pull that apart a little bit. He he says, not that we love God. Nobody loved God first. You might not remember a time that you didn't love God, but nobody loved God first. It says, not that we love God, but that he loved us. Now, there's the first thing you need to know about love. Love takes initiative. God's the one who loved. And what did he do? He sent his son. He took initiative. He loved us first. Last week, we talked about the well-crafted life is intentional. That's what Jesus did. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. Love takes the initiative. And then it says, and he sent his son as a sacrifice. So love takes the initiative. Number two, love takes sacrificial action. You know that kind of love when you see it. It inspires you when you see it. When you see it in somebody else, when somebody else loves somebody sacrificially, they give up something to love a person, you go, that's amazing. That inspires us. Love takes sacrificial action. God sent his son as a sacrifice. And the last thing it says is he did that for our sins. He did that to take our sins away because we had this huge need because our sins kept us disconnected from God. And Jesus is big on connections. And so he wanted us to have that connection. And the only way to build that connection between us and God was if our sins were taken away. So the last thing you find out about love is love meets needs. What if you put all that together and you said, let's just make a, let's just make a, a definition of what love is just from what John says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. What if you end up taking all those things together and you say it this way, love initiates sacrificial action to meet needs. How's that for a definition of love? Love takes sacrificial action to meet needs. 
Do you have anybody in your life who has needs? Do you want to vote again? Because <laughs> I know you have these people in your life. You have people in your life who have needs. Love means you taking sacrificial action to meet those needs. That's loving like Jesus loved because that's what he did. He loved right to the end, up to the point of making sacrifices. One of his sacrifices was to die on a cross for us. One of his sacrifices was to wrap himself up in a towel, the most powerful being in the universe, to wrap himself up in a towel and to stoop down and wash his disciples' feet as a servant. That's a sacrifice. Love initiates sacrificial action to meet needs. It's a fascinating command, isn't it? And it raises the bar from what the old command used to say. Jesus only died once. That's the weird part about sacrifice. I mean, if it's all about, if if the sacrifice he's talking about is giving up your life, then okay, go for it. But you only got one shot. There's got to be more to this loving than just sacrificing our life. That may be called for from us. But what if there's other sacrifices that we could make as well, like Jesus made the sacrifice of washing his disciples' feet. See, every one of us can act sacrificially to meet needs every day. You have the capacity to act sacrificially to meet needs every single day. And when we do that, we make connections with others. That, that act of love, loving like Jesus loved, when we do that, we make connections with others. And it changes us and it changes them and it builds a connection. How do you do that today? Let's just talk practice. How do you do it today? Last weekend... Uh, I, I noticed I was out in the lobby like around, sometime around the 5 o'clock gathering on Saturday. <clears throat> I'm out in the lobby, and we got all this coffee made, and people are looking for coffee, and there's nobody behind the counter to serve people coffee. I'm like, not a lot of things I know how to do, but I can pour coffee. So I got behind the counter. I'm pouring coffee, you know, which is, which is not a bad gig at all. It's really fun because how do you make people happy in this world? Give them coffee. I mean, it's just like, it's not, that, it's not that bad of a thing, right? So, but I got behind the counter, I'm like, I'm just serving coffee and saying hi and having a great time. And, and then someone comes up to behind, you know, up to the other side of the counter and they're like, you're serving coffee. I mean, they, like, it's weird. I'm like, it's not, it's not weird. It's just, it's just, you look thirsty and cranky, so I thought I'd give you coffee. That's just love, acting sacrificially to meet needs. That's all that is. And, I, you know, I can't even really say that's a big sacrifice, except somebody else thought it was a big sacrifice, you know, that the guy who gets the platform also gets to serve coffee. Sometimes I stand at our doors and I greet people and I hold the door open for people, you know. And I just, I just do that because it's fun. I think it's just fun to say hi to people when you come in and, Sometimes at the front, sometimes at the north doors, I'll just like, you know, hey, how's it going? And ever, inevitably, when I'm out there for a weekend, somebody comes in like, you're opening doors for us now? I'm like, been doing this for a long time. <laughs> but it always surprises somebody. Like, like the leader of the organization should not be holding doors open for others. Like it's a big sacrifice. 
And I'm like, I don't know. I just remember this psalm in Psalm 84, verse 10. The psalm writer goes, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. I'm like, I'm like preacher or doorkeeper. I'm like, that's a promotion. But some people go, that's, that just seems like a sacrifice. See, sometimes I think you'll sacrifice. You don't even know it is a sacrifice. It's just that your love calls you to take initiative, to act sacrificially, to meet the needs of others. I got a friend, I got a couple of friends who are staying with, with Donna and me uh, this week. Our friends, um, Roger and Lynn Schmidt, they're right over here. And uh, wave, you guys, because they don't know who we're talking about. Yeah. So Roger and Lynn are missionaries in Mozambique on the southeastern side of Africa. And some of you, when I say missionary, you're like, they don't even have a helmet on, you know. So I don't know what you think about missionaries, you know, like, you don't even know what that means. Never mind. So, um, no, they're like really normal people, but they happen to do what they do in Mozambique. And it's the same as what we do here in our place in Folsom, right, in, in Sacramento, in, in our region. So we talk about oikos. Yeah, don't make me come down there. Come on, you guys. Yeah, we talk about oikos, this group that God has placed us into, right? And we want to love and serve and care for those people. I already told you this today. I just reminded you. So anyway, they have an oikos too. I never even taught them this. They just do it. So Roger gets uh, together with some guys there in the city that they live in on Mozambique Island. And, uh, and he, he shares Jesus with them. It's a mostly Muslim culture. And so they sit around. They just talk about Jesus. And so Roger gets out. Uh, you know, they go on their little porch or patio or whatever. They put some mats out. And Roger goes outside when, they, when it's time every week for the guys to come over and have the conversation. He goes out with a cup of hot coffee because he likes coffee. And he sits out there and, and, he, and he's drinking coffee. And they're all talking, sitting around the circle talking about Jesus, which is just phenomenal. You get this many young guys in that culture, in that community to come out for a little gathering and talk about Jesus. So Roger's sitting there drinking coffee. And he drinks it and he drinks it and he loves it. And he drinks it, and he drinks it, until the guy next to him goes, hey, could I have some of that coffee? Truth be told, Mozambicans don't even like coffee. This, am I true? Yeah, they don't, even, they don't drink. But the guy next to him goes, hey, can I have some of that coffee? Roger gives him the cup, which is a sacrifice because it's coffee. <laughs> but then, so the guy next to him now is drinking coffee, and then what happens? The guy next to him goes, hey, could I have some of that coffee? Now that guy gives Roger's cup to the next dude. And that guy's drinking coffee till the next guy goes, hey, can I have some of that coffee? See, it's a culture of sharing. And Roger just passes around his communal coffee cup to all these dudes. That's sacrifice. That's just, that's just taking the initiative to act sacrificially to meet the needs of others in a really practical way. And he does it to the end because when the coffee come back, cup comes back around to him, he drinks from it. No, I'm just kidding. He doesn't actually. <laughs> okay, that's not it. The story gets better from there. He does this every week with these guys, right? But Roger lives about a, about a half mile from his place where he works. So he's got about a 10-minute walk to go from home to work. So when he walks down to work, he takes a cup of hot coffee with him. And then he's walking through the neighborhood on his way to work, and he sees one of his neighbors out there, you know, doing something in, in their front yard or something like that. And so Roger stops, stops and talks to him. He's got his cup of hot coffee, and after a while, his neighbor goes, hey, you got coffee in that cup? He goes, yeah. Neighbor goes, can I have some of that coffee? <laughs> and he hands him his 
communal coffee cup. And they get done ch chatting for a while, and then Roger takes the cup back, walks down the street, and the next guy goes, hey, you got coffee in that cup? Yeah, can I have some of that coffee? And he shares it all the way down the street. And you know what happens in his little oikos group that he meets with on his front porch? And you know what happens on the street when he's talking to all these guys and sharing his cup of coffee with them? You know what happens with them? It builds connection. And connection is the light of life. And if you sacrifice your cup of coffee for somebody... You can build connection. When Don and I moved into our house in Old Folsom about a year and a half ago, we had the ugliest porch in the world. Like in the world. <laughs> it was built so that you couldn't get in. Um, I, I, don't, I, don't, I didn't understand how they made that thing. And there are other people that, you know, live down in that area of town, and they, they let their bushes grow tall. They kind of, you know, get real private and things like that. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to live that way, and I don't want to have a porch that's unfriendly. So after we'd been there a while, we kind of collected our funds up and stuff. We took that old porch out. Now it was really unfriendly because we had nothing. <laughs> so then we built in a new porch. And I, I said to the guys who built it for me, I'm like, I want the stairway to be really wide because I want it to be inviting for people when they come to the house. I want them to be able to walk up and just go, this is great. I'm, I feel welcome here. That's what I want for my porch. So sometime this last summer, we're sitting out on the porch, Donna and me, and, and it's not even really finished. The rails weren't quite finished yet or anything, but we're sitting out there on the porch, and it's, it's getting to be into the evening, like getting toward dusk, and a car drives up the street. And I could see the driver, couldn't really tell who he was, but I could see the driver kind of looking, you know, while he's driving up the street. I'm figuring, oh, somebody found out where I lived. <laughs> sure enough, gets to the intersection, does a U-turn, comes back and pulls up in front of my house, parks, parks on my new pavers, which that's, that's what they're for. It's good. And then he gets out of the house, comes up and sits down on the porch with Donna and me. Turns out he's a lakesider, and he drives for Uber, and he's waiting for his next call for, you know, to drive. So he sees us out on the porch. He comes up and sits with us on the porch. That's exactly what it's for. Because like, I'm like, I want to live my life in ways that I can love others by acting sacrificially to meet their needs. And in my case, I, no one would ever have sat on my porch the way it looked before. I wouldn't even have sat on my porch so unfriendly but we invested money in a porch because we want people to come in and sit on our porch with us and hang out and it was sort of a sacrifice I mean not not huge didn't I didn't die on a cross to make it happen it's not that big it's more like putting a towel around our waist you know I got a beautiful deck in the back I could sit on but no one's ever going to stop by and sit on my back deck unless I invited them. But people might just drive down the street and go, hey, they're sitting out on their porch. I think I'm going to hang out with them. Love just means taking the initiative and acting sacrificially to meet the needs of others. Why? So that you build a connection. In whose life tonight, in whose life tomorrow, can you take the initiative and act sacrificially to meet their needs. In whose life? What do they need? The people in your neighborhood, the people in your network, the people in your oikos, the people in your family, what do they need? In whose life could you take the initiative and act sacrificially to meet their needs tomorrow? You will change the world. That would be amazing.
Jesus, thank you so much for the fact that you love us. You loved us right to the end. You loved us in remarkable ways. And you call us, Lord. You give us the invitation. You give us more than that. You give us a command to love one another like you have loved us. So, Lord, I pray for us. We've just talked about a couple of different ways to do this. And, Lord, there are a million ways to do this. So I pray for my friends here in the room today that they would think about who the person is who has a need that they can meet and that they would figure out a way to make a sacrifice to meet that need. And Lord, I pray you'll change us through that behavior and I pray you'll change our friends and neighbors through that behavior and I pray you'll change the world through us. Lord, build connections between us and others that will become bridges for your love into this world. Lord, thank you. We love you. Amen.